Look at all these crystals. Final Fantasy, one through seven. Today on. Everybody, hello and welcome to Press B to Cancel, your one-stop shop for whatever the fuck we're talking about today. What are we talking about today? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, disembodied voice of Paul 109 uh, Today it is Final Fantasy 1 through 7, as I just recently streamed a marathon of these seven games, and I can't wait to talk about it. But before we do, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, let's start with you, Paul 109 Hi, I'm Paul 109 and uh, with us also is Sick Jake. <laughs> hey, I'm Sick Jake. Thanks for having me back. Wait, you left? Well, yeah. You know, that that second career I had in Vegas. Member of Stomp. Changed my name. Rupert. Oh. I was, I was all the rage on TMZ for like at least a week. But I'm out of rehab and I'm back at Press B. <laughs> You're that Cornelius guy. Okay. But, oh, hey, don't dox me. Guy? Are we Are we family? <laughs> yes, we're we're related. Where's uh where's where's Werewolf? He's not here today, right? Hi. Hey guys. That was that was actually pretty good. Until, That's an oddly uh, accurate impression, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> right, yeah, he the, lost me. The illusion is shattered. Damn, I thought that was the best part of it all. That was that's the one I was saving for. No, from what I've heard though, uh Werewolf is retired from entertaining on podcasts and has relocated to Tuscaloosa to become a bluegrass singer. Why is it never green grass? Like, I don't have blue grass in my yard. Oh, well, it's Kentucky. Kentucky is known to have uh, blue-colored grass. Blue okay. Grass. I thought they were known for chicken. Okay, anyways, let's let's probably stick the topic here. So instead of dead south, he's what? Uppity north? Uh, life support. Uh, central. Not Central America. That's not right. That's a whole other kind of grass. Undead North. Dead North. No, Undead North. Zombie North. Final Fantasy 1 through 7. I know we've already talked about Final Fantasy kind of in like a speedrun scenario before, but I just recently, and by recently I mean it's taken me five fucking months, uh, have played Final Fantasies 1 through 7. Now, most of these, embarrassingly, I've never played. One, I never finished. Two, I'd never even seen. Three, I never finished. Four, I grew up playing and loved. Five, I'd never played or seen. Six, I loved. And seven, I loved. So, really, just three out of those seven. And every time I thought about playing a different one, I got mad that it wasn't Final Fantasy IV, and I just went back and played four. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So, so me and you did a mini-cast together on the games, and we both didn't play them all? Oh, that's not a first. Okay, well, good enough. I've only played about 15% of the games that I say I've played. Deep research is a well-known trait of those on Press B to Cancel. Well, of course. Available on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite shows. Is that a cat or a kid? Uh, is that my cat you can hear? <laughs> <laughs> or your kid. We're really not sure. I, swear, I tell you, I can't win, man. Either my kids are pounding my door <laughs> or it's my cat. I can close the door. But then you're probably gonna hear scratching. <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you think my odds are? Should I try? Will it be your cat or will it be your kids? 
They'll team up on me. Hold on a second. I can close the door. <laughs> I want to. I want to place an ad, place it like ante of or bid or wager. Wager. That's it. I want to wager like six Starburst. I'd ask you which kind, but they all taste the same. They're not Fruit Loops. All right. Anyways, GP, what are we talking about? Yeah, we'll, we'll get started. What I'll do is we'll, we'll separate these, of course, by game. I will start off by giving a brief rundown of the uniqueness of that game compared to the rest of the series. And I will list what I think are its strengths and weaknesses. And then you bros can tell me where I'm wrong and where I'm right. Like, oh, well, you're wrong because you're an idiot, GP, clearly. Or, yeah, that's a good point, GP, but you're still an idiot. Those are kind of the two categories. Okay, so we're going to be objective or objective? You'd be whatever you want. Gotcha. Okay, so Final Fantasy One, Amazing history to this <clears> game, <throat> which we don't have time for. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but no, it is a, uh, it's the original. I have always been impressed with how big this game was. Now, as mentioned, I had never beaten this one until the marathon. I had started it and thought, it's an 8-bit video game. It's not going to be that big. And then once I started to see that, yes, in fact, it is big, uh, I turned it off and played Final Fantasy IV. Uh, uh, It's a great game. It is very grind-heavy, but it offers enough places that you can grind that are worthwhile without becoming boring, considering what it accomplished as an 8-bit game, uh, both story-wise, mechanics-wise. I thought it was great. Not much in the character development, as at the beginning you can just choose the four different people in your party, what what job class they'll have, and they don't really talk too much about who they are as characters. You just go through as these four warriors of light trying to stop a bad guy named Chaos. There's a time loop involved, which by the time you beat him, he's a chump, by the way, uh, you've closed the time loop paradox, so everybody survives, the world moves on, but nobody knows that you were the four warriors of light who saved the world. See, it's been years since I've played that game. And I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I don't remember any plot from the game at all. I just remember it being fun for the the choice of classes you have at the beginning. Well, yeah, there's the the job classes, which is great. The music, by the way, set the. I mean, it's it's chip tunes or whatever. You know, it's it's old school music. But what it accomplished with just the bare bones stuff, the music and the game both fantastic. Uh, in my humble but infinitely correct opinion. The job classes were a little bit lax for me because it's like, okay, you got warrior wanting to outfit four warriors. You can do, but it's not very cost efficient and they don't have any plumbers. They don't have any electricians. They don't have any carpenters. I was really pissed. So it took me about 20 years to get around to playing it proper. See, I, okay. I think that brings me to my major point with my, any criticisms that I have of this, any criticisms that I have of this game are compared to the rest of the Final Fantasy series. If it's 1989 or whatever, and the game comes out, and there are no other Final Fantasies, you have nothing to compare it to. I would say this would be like a 9 out of 10 game under that lens. You know what I mean? It's like, it's brand new. It's a different way of playing, a different way of thinking, new challenges, new story, new all that. How dare you use logic in our podcast? I know, that's probably the most educated thing I'll ever say video game-wise. But uh, that, that's that's my take on it. I think it achieved a lot with story, but not so much with character development. How do you find the graphics in the game? With your eyes. Next. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, okay. Because we did an episode not that long ago about ugly games, right? Mm-hmm. And you said this game was, you didn't like the graphics, you thought it was ugly. Yes. 
How could it be a 9 out of 10 on Nintendo if it's ugly? Well, again, the 9 out of 10 comes out of the lens of we haven't seen anything like this before. Uh, You know, to to call it ugly compared to Final Fantasy VII or compared to Final Fantasy, you know, XIV, yeah, it's it's fugly. But to look at it, you know, each of your characters in these little squares, the the bad guys inside their own little pane with a black background, um, and then, of course, there's a little bit of terrain background at the top of the screen. Everything is segmented. Nothing feels very, uh, not congealed, but, you know, it's not a very... Everything just kind of has its own box. But if you go back and play updated versions like they've done, you know, with porting it on the PlayStation 1 or mobile, then, yes, they've updated the landscapes to be more lush or more barren, depending on where you're at. And those, you know, that that negates that. But, you know, again, if it's fresh RPG eyes in 1989, it is no longer a fugly game, and we can go back to making fun of the Atari. Oh, hey, Atari's great. Ugh. Oh, you're hurting my, hurt me where it hurts. I feel attacked. That's a different episode. Yeah. I, I think the, you're right about the black background on the combat window. That's kind mm-hmm. of, eh. But I thought the, the sprites of the monsters was great. The, the Each of the classes looked very distinct. And that the style of like the black mage and the white mage, that's something that started the first game and carried through the entire franchise. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And then if you look at the big bosses... Um, Chaos, Tiamat, like the Elemental Fiends, uh, you know, Lich, those are very cool. Yeah, I was about to say, the the enemy sprite, like the enemy boss sprites, I think are fucking cool. Like, yeah. even going back, yeah, they're simplified, but if you see it and then you see one of the later versions, like the later remakes that they've done or updates or something along the way, every time they make the final boss... You can tell it's the final boss. You can see it's it's always like this higher resolution version of the same thing. Like they had enough detail in the original that it's like okay, we just need to polish this, and that's all it was. So it they never really had to make new sprites so much as just polish the ones they had. Is that's how I look at it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's move on to to two. Is that okay? Again, for what it was, I think it accomplished a lot, and it's best if you're going if you're thinking about taking up Final Fantasy as a series and you've never played them or seen them before, definitely start with the first one and be patient. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's one of my favorite games as a kid. Like it kicked off my love with RPGs when I was younger. It's like one, is either the first or second RPG I ever played? The other one was Dragon Warrior, and this game is way better than Dragon Warrior. So I think it's I think it's a great game. Definitely a classic. I got to say the the box art for it, uh, the label for it Awesome. Also, it, yes. the the player's manual it came with was great, and it had the inserts of like the world map and the bestiary on the back, which is very very cool. That was the one with the black box and like the the shield and the sword. I think it was right inside, like a glass ball. Yeah, yeah that was really cool. I want to say one thing before we go on to the second one is that you said this would be the first one you want to play. I think you should go with the eighth one. We're not going to get into that. Why? I think we've <laughs> talked to a bit. We've probably talked it to death already, but. Play eight first. Okay. <laughs> but but realize if you're playing eight first, we're going to, you know, take a step back in graphics, but massive leaps forward in gameplay and storytelling. Uh, okay, so on, on to two. <laughs> Final Fantasy two, other than eight, uh, is kind of the, the, the shitting post for the, the franchise in the eyes of a lot of people. And I will admit I was curious, but not looking forward to trying the game because of its insanely negative uh, reputation. My experience now having played it is that it was not as bad as I expected. 
to kind of summarize it all, there are four characters brought together by being orphaned by the Big Bad Empire. So there's a, a major theme that you're going to see in future Final Fantasies as well. Uh, the evil empire that, you know, ran through this town, killed a lot of the townsfolks for these kids who are now orphaned. One of them, I think, has an IQ that's very small. They named him Guy. I'm still salty about it. And uh, so you get a little bit of character development from that. This game is uh, loathed by many because of insane grind requirements. This is a muscle-building game. By that, I mean if you want your character to be a strong magic user, you use magic over and over and over and over. If you want somebody to be a strong warrior, you just hit everybody over and over and over and over. So it is just building the one particular muscle that you want for any character to have. Yes, it's cool that any character can be anything that you want, but the amount of time that it takes in order to achieve any sort of gains uh, that are noticeable is insane. I went into the game blind. However, people did tell me it's a grind fest and you're going to want to get some time in grinding because of the way it works before you play. I spent 14 hours off stream grinding before starting the game and that made the game much more tolerable. The story is fine. Again, it's about the evil empire. There is a mechanic in the game where when you speak to people, certain words are highlighted and you need to memorize or learn those words and then speak those words to certain people throughout the game, which is pretty cool and unique. However, my, to my opinion, even more so of a weakness than the grindfest aspect of the game is that no matter what you do, you can go off and run halfway across the world just to have a conversation with one person who then says, oh, you should go back to the first town and speak to the princess. And you have to do that like 60 times. There's like all these different things. Well, let's go talk to Sid, the engineer, who's over in this part of the world. You do that and he's like, oh, here's a couple words. Go talk to the princess. And you hightail it back to the main city, talk to the princess who sends you on the next place to go just to return a few minutes later. What do you guys think? That's interesting. Have you ever played Morrowind uh, GP or no? No. No, I've not. So the reason I bring it up is in, in Morrowind, it's a it's a classic PC uh, game in the Elder Scrolls series, mm-hmm. and I love that game. But what you just described with the muscle building, Morrowind's the same way. If you want to be a mage, cast more of that spell. You want to be a necromancer, cast death spells. Want to be a warrior, swing your sword. You want to jump higher, fall off buildings. Like literally that same mechanic. Yeah, they did that in Oblivion as well. Right. But with Morrowind also, the dialogue system, because there's no vocal dialogue, is a text box. And it's all keyword-based. So when you're talking to somebody, somebody will mention, like, Thieves Guild in their paragraph. You click Thieves Guild, and he'll give you some information about the Thieves Guild. It sounds very similar to Final Fantasy II. I wonder if there's any inspiration between the two companies at all. Hmm, I don't know. Paul, uh, what's your take on 2? I I never played it. I, I remember having it on PS1? I think it was maybe the uh, there's like a re-release kind of deal and I just I didn't touch it I, I started playing the first one and then I put it down I was like no I'm, I'm good and I just went on to something else and then I lost my copy of it I don't know if I sold it or someone stole it or whatever but it disappeared into the ether and now now I kind of want to play it because just because what you said the version that we played was the Game Boy Advance version uh, I do have on a multi-cart the original NES graphics. I may go back at some point and play it on that just to experience it the way it was experienced or meant to be, you know, in the original version. 
Um, two other things I want to mention. There's a recurring name in the series of Final Fantasy named uh, Sid. He's typically an engineer and or horny old curmudgeon type. Think Master Roshi, <laughs> but for Final Fantasy. Sid, I believe, is introduced for the first time in 2. I could be, uh, could be mistaken. If he's in 1, I don't remember it. But he's definitely in 2 as the airship engineer. Uh, also, chocobos. These giant birds that you can ride like a horse to get you around the map are introduced in Final Fantasy II, complete with, as of the Game Boy Advance version I played, the uh, famous Chocobo song. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I've never played this one either. Would you say it's worth playing for the story? Uh, For the story, yes. Okay. If you are of the type of player who is patient, or if you have an emulator that you can fast forward, the grinding (laughs) is absolutely, you know, tolerable. Okay. But if it's not something that you're a big fan of, then, then no. Now, also a couple things. This is a very easy game to become OP'd in, so long as you have the time to grind away, for one. You know, as I mentioned, if you want to become a stronger fighter, you just whack away at things. That does not necessarily have to be the bad guys. If you've got a bad guy that you know you can hit in one hit, take some time just whacking away at the rest of your party once they're dead, kill the thing, and you will have massively leveled up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Also, <laughs> there are some OP'd weapons about midway to maybe 60% of the way through the game, if I remember correctly. And if you have the time and patience and a pen and paper, you can cheat the little mini game that you have to play to get all the OP'd stuff. And then you can just replicate that, and everybody can be as strong as you need them to be with their weapons. So, Is this the game that had Onion Knights in it? No, this was an Onion Knights, but like there's the Masamune or whatever it's called. And um, you get it by completing a certain memory game, um, you know, like cards or tiles that are flipped over. And there's like, oh, here's a picture of a frog. And then you have to find the matching frog. Well, there's 30 or 31 different sets. So if you write down which position each frog is in, reinitiate the game and then immediately quit and do that 30 times, you'll be back at the original one. So if you can complete that game, that memory game, with zero mistakes, you'll get a lot of money and a lot of overpowered items. So, again, if you just have the patience and wherewithal to write it down and keep track of the 30 different times, there's no reason to not have everybody just maxed out. You know what I mean? Nice. So, again, it's all based on do you care enough to do that? Which, you know, if you want to focus on just the gameplay grind away as heavy as you can before the story even starts and then get the <laughs> weapons halfway through and then yes i think it's an enjoyable experience but it takes a, a big investment with those two things alone so well i'm sold 15 <laughs> hours of grinding <laughs> sign me up <laughs> and and honestly my last thing to say about this game is i think the reason it's so hated is because of the title final fantasy i think if this had been a standalone rpg title people would have like yeah, that was it was good, you know. But I think because people go back and play it, um, who maybe didn't grow up with it because it was never really brought over to America, they'll go back and play it now that they're adults and know the rest of the series. It doesn't feel anything like a Final Fantasy, um, with the exception of Sid and the Chocobos, aka Kookaboos. Yeah, yeah, I grew up saying Kookaboos. So if you ever hear me say Kookaboo, I'm talking about Chocobos. I had to bring that in. Yes, <laughs> I refuse to learn. I no, I, I appreciate it. I thought about doing it, but I'm like, no, no, no. Paul shall do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm not predictable. I'm consistent. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> that I, actually, I would say yes. You uh, you surprise me daily, Paul. 
<laughs> Wait, what? I could just look into your eyes forever. Pregnant pause. Okay, so... Well, that got weird. <laughs> no, it didn't. Don't make it weird. <laughs> There's nothing weird about a Gregonant pause, okay? <laughs> so, Final Fantasy 3. Uh, I love this game. Final Fantasy 1 was cool, but by the time I beat Final Fantasy 3, I had to set the controller down, exhale, and just say, wow. I love this. So this is the first one that really developed the job class system. Onion Knights, uh, Dark Knights, uh, or sorry, I should say, Warriors, Monks, Black Mage, White Mage, Dragoons, Vikings, just a whole lot of stuff. There's, I, I want to say, 12 to 15 different job classes. Again, I could be mistaken. Oh, wow. This was an NES title that never got brought to America, uh, not until later on through ROM hacks and you know various ports. The graphics are not great. The character sprites uh, for your four warriors of light, yes, they, they introduce that, which I, I haven't even talked about the crystals. There's usually crystals in all the Final Fantasies, and they're usually elemental-based, earth, wind, fire, water. But the, the crystals have chosen these four warriors of light to save the earth from the coming darkness. Later on through the game, as you've gotten different job classes and advanced the levels uh, and the story, you find out that there has to be a balance between light and dark, and that previously the light was trying to overtake everything, and there were four warriors of darkness, an aspect that I loved of the story. Because you always think of light being the redeeming, you know, hopeful, perfect thing, but then you think there has to be balance for the dark world to exist as well, and the dark world does not necessarily equate to evil things. It's just the opposite side of the coin of existence, and I loved it. Uh, I fell hard for this game. You know, you start off on this world that is not overly large, and then you find out it is a floating continent. They introduce a lot of side characters. You can still only have four people in your squad, but there are side characters, Princess Sarah and a number of other people, who become your unofficial fifth. They will, from time to time pop in and attack characters or heal your party, depending on the version that you're playing, and they'll give you other directions, and you can call upon them to just discuss things, and they might give you hints to help advance the story or tell you where you next need to go. You then leave the floating continent to the lower earth. Um, you've got to find these uh, these small little bits of land that are otherwise you know hard to find because they didn't really have a great map system back then, but it did exist. And then in time, you drain the water from the land, and I, it's really hard to explain. But it's a beautiful story. The characters you start off with at the beginning pretty much are your characters throughout the entire thing, except for your rotating fifth. And by the time you get to the end, you're fighting a cloud of darkness with some banging double Ds. What? <laughs> I, that's the story, dude. Uh, okay. <laughs> Look, I don't even want to know anymore because now I want to experience these double Ds and I don't even know what I'm trying to experience here. Oh, dude. No, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's the cloud of darkness that's trying to overtake the world. And as the, uh, the four warriors of light, you got to beat this, uh, this, this, this chesty person's ass. It's pretty cool. Oh, hey. Uh, was there anything from the second game that carried over mechanic-wise? Like the dialogue system or anything like that, or no? No, the, uh, the memorization thing did not carry over. The level-up system was more akin to the first one, where you just fight, you get experience, and then you level up at certain intervals. As you level up, your magic users get better and more proficient at magic. Yeah, no, it's... it's oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, to me, it's it's the original version of what the job class in or system in Final Fantasy V was. It was like the rubric for it. You know, it was, it was groundbreaking for that and then perfected in five, which we'll get to five later. Right. But the story was, was great for three. 
the characters were endearing and they each kind of had their own plots. So the character development was there. Yeah, I mean, there were ways to cheese it and become OP'd as well. But, uh, you know, it wasn't near as grindy as two. And I just thought it was, to me, the first, like, addicting Final Fantasy game. With one, it was it was cool. Two, I was never addicted. But three, I was like, man, I can't wait to get back to that. See, I played three, but I thought it was, like, Crystal Chron- uh, like Crystal Chronicles or something like that that you had on GameCube. I used to confuse them, and I don't know why. But I had it on a DS. I remember my friends, like... Hey, EB Games, you know, he'd always do... He was, like, playing the auction house. He always would find ways to, like, game the system. So he'd get, mm-hmm. uh, he'd get like, a refurb Nintendo DS for, like, 25 bucks. And it was just insane how the stuff you do. Like, he'd go... He'd It's like the coupon clippers, you know, where they spend more time <laughs> figuring it out than actually doing it. So it's like, why don't you just, you know, work that amount of time and but anyways he uh <laughs> he ended up getting a ds for me and i this is one of the games i had and i didn't realize it so i started playing it and i was bartending and bartending during the days you don't do anything you know you wipe down your bar and pretty much that was it at least here and uh, <laughs> so i had a lot of time and i spent three hours of my six hour shift getting to this cave i got stuck in the cave and i saved in there then I had no healing items, and I kept on dying, and I couldn't get out of the cave to buy more healing items because I was too far away. So I basically locked myself in there and had to start over. So I started the game, and I never played it again after that. But the thing is, it seemed pretty cool. I liked it. I just never got back into it. I think by then, I was kind of salty at the the whole handheld gaming thing, too, because I was just way too many sore necks from staring down. Sure. Yeah, they've ported it through to the DS. Um, you can also download. I've got a copy of it on my 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 iPhone, so I know you can buy it through their store. Um, of course, emulation, whatever. But uh, my my thing with the DS version, the graphics were good. But this is where they kind of introduced like the chibi or chibi looking characters. Like the characters are kind of adults. But they're designed to look like Precious Moments characters for anybody who's familiar with that <laughs> reference. So yeah. they look like children, but some of them have breasts. And I think it was Princess Sarah. They they designed her boobies, and she's got these boobies, but she looks way too... It's very creepy because they like gave her cleavage, is what I'm saying. Not just that character has breasts. It's they gave her cleavage that was out like... I don't know. I did not care for it. I hear somebody's computer clicking. Is somebody Googling this? I mean, now i got to look up this yeah. game. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to, so to no. me that was like that was one thing where I'm like I'm this is uncomfortable. I don't like this at all. They have a very I want to say um, androgynous look to all the characters. Like I thought they were yeah. all female first, and then I was like, like pear shaped, right? Yeah. So it, it's the the precious moments. Yeah, you mm-hmm. nailed it there. But I, I think that's we'll talk about it later on. But I think that's one thing that threw me off of it a bit is they lean into the chibi thing is one thing, but they kind of make the chibi art. And then so they have the super cute art and then they have the super cute, I want to say, mood to the game. You know, like you don't get that with uh, with Final Fantasy four and six so much. And that's what I have more experience with. Like, you know, four, you have chibi art and then you go and you get into a uh, 
like a battle with a boss and all of a sudden this dude's got like a demon horse carrying a chariot with like a headless ghost it's like this is fucking badass and so you know it's just it had that it kind of offset it a little bit for me and the chibi art in three it was just a bit too much for me like yeah. world of final yeah. fantasy they again it's 100 percent chibi and all the, all the voices are really tiny and cute like they all sound like munchkins and it's 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 cute, but it it's too much for me. If that's that's anything like I don't like the super realistic, uh, eleven, twelve, thirteen, like all the more modern ones, and I don't like this hundred percent chibi. I like that mix, you know, a little bit of both. Yeah, and and you know, I think that's a good point because it also goes back to what we were saying about the graphics for the bad guys and the boss fights in Final Fantasy One. When you have these very severe and awesome and awe inspiring looking. Uh, bad guys, and then you see them fighting these chibis. You're like, man, these those kids are about to die. <laughs> yeah, they stay, they stand no chance. And, and yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I would completely agree. I think there needs to be a balance there. Uh, Jake, any comments or questions on three? No, I'm actually really interested in playing this one. I had, I think I started it once, but it was the NES, and it was a really bad translation patch. So I kind of just fell off it. Um, since then it's been on the DS and I think you said Game Boy Advance I, I'm kind of in trying again I love the job system mm-hmm. that's my favorite part of the Final Fantasy franchise is that so I'd be really curious that with, this good, with a good story would be interesting okay well I hear what you say about loving the job system I agree but next is a game that you're not going to like then Final Fantasy 4 and you're right I don't <laughs> and I think you might be the only one I've ever talked to who hates this game see you uh, later Final guys Final Fantasy 4 <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Uh, no i i've gone on record several times as saying final fantasy 4 i think is a damn near perfect game and and definitely my favorite game of all time uh it was originally released as final fantasy 2 on the super nintendo uh, platform as the original final fantasies 2 and 3 were not brought over to north america at that time so they said well we're we're not going to explain you know that leap and we're not going to bring those over so we're just going to rename this one final fantasy 2 so, uh, yeah, Super Nintendo, uh, major update in graphics and music. And music, I will say, from the very first game is something that the franchise has really been able to hang its hat on. Um, so many memorable songs throughout the franchise leading up to 4. 4 definitely delivers and expounds and improves on all of them. Uh, Sid, of course, is in this game as his kind of horny engineer, cantankerous old guy character, uh, you are a dark knight who is disgraced and thrown out of his kingdom, who then goes to deliver a package to a small village to try to gain favor with his king again, only to find out it is a bomb that is to kill the summoners. And uh, shit ensues from there. You have a best friend who's a bit of an asshole, easily manipulated, <laughs> and uh, you never know whether or not he's going to be you know, in your party. You've got a love interest who is not the damsel in distress, which I love that. She is a character that supports... Uh, the entire squad as a, a white mage, but also uh, is is not just there to be saved by your main character, Cecil, who, uh, again, is this dark knight whose heart is tainted by all the blood that he spilled, and just the greatest redemption arc, in my opinion, of any Final Fantasy character is the character of Cecil as he becomes a warrior of light, a.k.a. a paladin. Not to be confused with a paladin. <laughs> right. Uh, there's a brother who is as easy to manipulate as your best friend, and you start to think Cecil just has a type. And, uh, yeah, there's Redia, who is multiple people's waifu. But only mine that counts, so. (laughs) 
No, so it, it's a great game, great music, amazing story. There are some leaps in logic that have to be taken. I don't mind taking those leaps. At some point, you think everybody's dead. And at some point, various points usually, you find out, now nah, they're fine. Uh, <laughs> all except, you know, like one or two people. So, yeah, the, the game is not without its faults. But in my opinion, just it's, it's not perfect, but it's very close. Uh, this game I can play 10,000 times, and I've probably come close to it. it never seems to get old. There's um, a port for the DS that somehow is even better. And the voice acting there is fantastic. They have a different augment system and a lot of stuff we don't have time to get into. But yeah, if you're going to start off with Final Fantasy IV, but you don't want to do one of the old ones, do this one. It's a great game. Uh, Jake, what do you think? How am I wrong? You know, so I've been Paul, what are your this. thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I think that we are correct. Thank you. Uh-huh. I don't hate it. I think my issue with it is an issue I have with, I think, all JRPGs that I try and go back to play now. Just the, I don't like the grinding in combat. In fact, the only JRPG I think I like to play now is Chrono Trigger because the combat is fairly light and you can avoid encounters. So I don't think Final Fantasy IV is bad. The story is 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 decent. The music, you're absolutely right, is just amazing. The opening scene with the Red Wings, the airships coming in, that that's a theme that I still have pop in my head when I'm playing the lesser games. <laughs> right? <laughs> Like the theme, and it had character themes and stuff, which is something the series is known for. Uh, it's it's a good game. I just to go back and play it now is difficult for me because of the amount of hours it takes. And I'm wondering if the remakes would be better for me. I would be curious to hear the voice acting because it's one of those games where you have the voices in your head doesn't line up with the voice acting. I'm gonna tell you right now, you're gonna like the voice acting for Kane because I know you like World of Warcraft, Mister. I don't like grinding. <laughs> So <laughs> I'm calling you at it today. Uh, I'm gonna dig deep. No, but the voice for Kane is the voice for Illidan from Final Fa- or from World of Warcraft. Oh, is it really? I actually like that actor too. He. That's probably my only complaint about the voice acting in the remake or like in the DS version is because Kane's voice is so fucking badass compared to mm-hmm. the rest that it just makes everything else seem so cheesy. <laughs> Okay, yes. Kane is awesome. Golbez, I think, is probably also there in yeah. terms of just like when that character speaks, you have to listen because they wrote him well. The voice acting is great. You know, Edge, for all of his pomp and, and douchebaggery, you know, when his parents die, his his guttural screams are really well done and like breathtaking. Like, you know, it, it kind of cuts you short. It, it's pretty awesome. Um, and of course, the augment system. Uh, but Jake, I have to say, if you're going to go back and play the game, I don't think you should play any of the remakes uh, if you don't want to sink a lot of hours into it. The Final Fantasy II, the original one released in the U.S., is considered the easy type. You shouldn't have to grind too much. You can get a lot of money by an item duplication glitch if you ever want to cheese it. But if you want to go all the way through it, I think you should play that one. If you want a fully immersive, outstanding, fun experience, yes, do the DS remake. But if you just want to get through it to say you've gotten through it, play the classic. It's hard to die. I'm not terrible at games, I promise. No, no, no. I don't think you were. I just, you said with all the grinding, this game is nowhere near as grindy as um, one or two. Yeah, the if you if you play the Super Nintendo, like Final Fantasy II US version, there's no, there's no grind necessary. You can go straight, straight on through. 
and there is no job class. I know I said that at the, the beginning of the discussion yeah. on four. Um, who your characters are, just who they are. It's who their background is. It's kind of like their lot in life for their particular kingdoms. Of course, Cecil being the uh, the exception as he transitions from Dark Knight to uh, a paladin or a paladin. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is a great game. And this is the first time that by the the time the, the game ends, you really are invested enough in the characters to want to watch and examine every bit of the screen for the closing sequence. Like the resolution of the game is such a rewarding experience, um, even more so than three. Ooh, I don't know about that. I really like the ending to six. No, no, no. I, I, I mean actual Final Fantasy three. No, never mind. <laughs> yeah. <Carry on. laughs> uh, okay, so we're, we're going to get back to the job class system then with uh, Final Fantasy five, unless anybody else has any final thoughts on four. I'm mistaking people for the voice actors now, apparently, because I'm looking it up. I mean, checking my mind palace, and I don't know what's going on. So. <laughs> well, even if it's not the same character uh, or actor who does those two characters, it's similar, I'm guessing, is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty dope. I'm going to have to check it out afterwards, but yeah, it's, it's, intent. it's intense. All right, so five. Five, uh, where to start? There are these flying potatoes that, well, they're meteors, but they look like, uh, you know, 16-bit potatoes. They crash into Earth. You've got kind of this rapscallion on his own with his, his chocobo who's investigating. He finds the dude who's got amnesia. They go on all sorts of adventures. There's a princess trying to save her dad. And then there's a pirate dude who ends up being a chick. And this is such a wonderful game. <laughs> One of my favorite characters in all of Final Fantasydom is Gallif, who is the old man, as mentioned, with amnesia. He ends up being from a different planet that is similar to Earth, where he is a king. And long story short, Gallif and three of his buddies came to our planet to stop this character named X-Death, who turns out is a tree. I know, it's very bizarre. Some of the plot twists are not very satisfying in this game, but a lot of the game is really dope. So they sealed X-Death away, and they use like the four crystals, which again are our theme, and mankind then kind of progressed over the next 30 years, developing these machines to amplify the elements of the, the different crystals, and the crystals stop working and eventually break. Each time you collect a different crystal shard, you get a different job class. There are 20-some-odd job classes. Um, they're very well fleshed out. There are different ability systems and different things that you can learn and equip to different characters. Infinite customization uh, customization, yes. I almost said customization ability. But anyway, infinite uh, customization in this game. Amazing characters, great plots, and this is the funniest of the uh, Final Fantasy games, in my opinion. There are, are a lot of, of both highbrow and lowbrow jokes, which the characters in the game don't mind stopping to like break fourth wall, look at you, and kind of give you the old wink-wink, nudge-nudge. It's incredibly charming. This is a fun romp of an adventure with a lot of cool story parts, a couple of lame-ass story parts, and ultimately a very, very cool way to spend 60 hours. What was the protagonist's, the main character's name again? <laughs> well, it depends on which translation. It's Butts. <laughs> it's, it's Butts. B-U-T-Z. Yeah. And he's cool. He's, he ends up being... I never got this far. Oh, okay. We well, yeah, can just delete that. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe put some sort of mu music over that. 
But uh, yeah, no, there's there's a lot of cool reveals and a lot of big payoffs in this game. I'll let you guys talk or ask questions for a bit, and then I'll I'll get back to it. I mean, I guess I can start on this one. I've actually never finished it. Um, when I first got into emulation, when I first realized what the hell that was, this is one of the first games I played. And my mind was blown that there's more than just Final Fantasy 2 and 3, or like the US versions, right, on Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I really need to go back and finish it. I love the job system. I didn't realize there were so many jobs in it. Over 20 is insane. Yeah, I was blown away because I thought I had them all. And next thing you know, I got, hey, there's like another six. Whoa. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I need to go back to it. I, I was kind of thrown off the plot a little bit. It's not as good of a plot as 4 had. At least I didn't think so right. back then. The names of the characters kind of bugged me, but I, I don't like Galuff either. But I never really gave it an honest chance to get through to see where the story goes. I like how right from the get-go of the beginning of, of our talk, a lot of these Final Fantasy games mix the magic with the science. There's always a mech or steampunk tech somewhere in these games. I love that. Um, five is great. I agree. Like From what I played from it, it was really good. I definitely need to go back to it. Yes, highly recommended. Um, what you're saying about the job class system, exactly right. The only other Final Fantasy entry that I think has a job system this well done is Tactics. Uh, 3 was was great for the job class, but this perfected it, and Tactics went in a different direction with it, but still did it well. Yeah, it, it's because of the, the different amounts or the, the sheer number of job classes that are available, it's not a grind-heavy game unless you decide you want it to be. Right. Now, the payoffs for grinding are staggering, and you can become OP'd, again, rather easily, so long as the metric for easiness is time. You know, I, I will say, by the time we got to the final fight with X-Death, it did actually take me, I think, three or four attempts to finally get a, a system down to beat him. You know, you have to mix and, match your, mix and match your job classes, your abilities, your armor, and stuff like that. But yeah, this game is one that I could see being the most replayable for different experiences. Four, I could play forever just because I like the story. Six, we'll get to. But this one, you could play it 10,000 different ways because just the customization of it. If you like the um, the job system with the 2D combat, check out uh, Bravely Default. I think it was on the Game Boy Advance or 3DS. Uh, the, fir- the second one, not so much. But the first one... Very solid. It has some links to the Final Fantasy series in terms of like, I think the uh, the graphic designer and the and the music, I believe. Huh. But it has the job system and it has that combat like in five. Uh, it's really great. It has a great story, and I always think of Bravely Default as a successor to Final Fantasy V because like after five they kind of went in a different direction with the classes. Well, and you've mentioned we we keep talking about music. You mentioned the composer Nobuo Uematsu, who right. is just a, a staggering talent and uh, anytime if, if you guys and gals are not familiar with Final Fantasy music you can find just about any version it's been covered and copied 10,000 different ways heavy metal version uh, melodic ballads there's an entire symphony orchestra that tours around uh, with Nobuo I believe um, doing shows and and it is emotionally charged it is sweeping it can be heavy it can be anything that you need it to be there's a song for every musical taste, and they're all well done. Paul, what do you got for me? Uh, I was trying to think, to be honest. I'm, now I'm distracted between... I was about to objectify a couple characters. Do it. Because first, I wanted to go, like, what's the sexiest job for Ferris? 
And then what is the most gruff, badass uh, job for Gallif? We'll we'll figure that out afterwards. I want to <laughs> I want to save that one for a Discord discussion. That's that's more fun. Well, okay, as you say, the, the well, not ninja. They are covered head to toe. <laughs> yeah. So I get we'll we'll transition on from five to six. If anybody has not heard of Final Fantasy VI, what have you been doing with your life? I think six is widely regarded as the best of the classics. I, I for me the classics are one through one through nine. And I think if uh, anybody were to say six is not worth its its time, um, there would be an entire community of people who are just ready to not give a shit about anything you think in life. <laughs> six is is a very interesting story about again uh, a woman with amnesia being utilized by an evil empire. She then goes on adventures with a uh, treasure hunter, I guess is the pro- proper way to say it. Thief. Yeah, yeah, right? No, he's, he's a treasure hunter. He's a treasure hunter. A world-renowned treasure hunter. Uh, <laughs> a, a, pair of, a pair of brothers who are royalty. One is a jock. The other one is probably a pedophile. <laughs> There's, yeah, a, a playable moogle. There is a feral child. There is a yeti. There is a mime, which is a callback from Final Fantasy V. There's a, uh, well, Celeste. There's so many great characters. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, try and, uh, we don't have time to talk about all of them. All you need to know, I'm sorry, I'm in my head about this, the only thing you need to know about Final Fantasy VI is the challenge was to write a character sadder than the character that you just met. Nobody has a happy story in this game, and I would normally hate that, but it is one thing that links them all, and they all can identify that within each other, and in that way, I love it. But yeah, there, there are, no matter what part of life you're in, you could be like, fuck, that sucks for that character. And that would suck in real life. So anyway, that's that's that. There is um, a summoning system that is unique. You have to collect these like, crystalline items called magicite, which are like the dead husks of uh, the different summons that you can get. By equipping summons, you can learn different magics and have different stat boosts. Um, other than that, it's, it's a classic Final Fantasy, except there are no elemental crystals. It's the first time I think of the franchise that we don't have mention of that. Well, the Magicite, I think, takes the place of the Elemental Crystals, because the first few you get are Elemental-based, right? Well, yeah. Ifrit and Shiva and all that. Yeah, but it's um, typically with the Crystals and the other ones, they are the plot points or the plot devices, whereas the Espers here are a thing that you can do, and you can choose whether or not, but they they don't necessarily drive the story the way the Crystals do in 4 or, you know, 3 or 5, how they break, and then, you know, the waters don't churn anymore, etc., etc., and typically there's only four, or in the case of Final Fantasy IV, eight different crystals. But yeah, I guess that's a good point. I haven't thought of that. One of the other things that makes Six stand out uh, amongst its peers is the bad guy, Kafka, one of the greatest villains of all time. Easily. Succeeds in his evil, diabolical plan. Yeah. And yeah. the game doesn't begin or end there. It happens right in the middle. And then the, the second half of the game... Once you've gotten all these characters and you've fallen in love with all these different people, you lose them all and you can choose which ones you want to go back and pick up. And being who I am, I usually try to get the whole squad back together. But I, there are challenges where you just have to beat the game with the, the three people. Because uh, I think there are three required characters to be able to unlock yeah. the end of the story. But uh, this is a very unique game. It doesn't necessarily look like the others. It plays a little bit different. The plot points are different. The music, still done by Nobuo Uematsu, is is rendered a little bit differently, but still 
slaps and hits all of the emotional uh, bones in my heart. And I can't say enough good stuff about this. I will, I've said this a thousand times, and I'll let you guys talk in a moment. Where 4 is my favorite, I will concede 6 is a better game. And uh, where, where I say 4 is almost a, a perfect game, if 4 is a 9.8, 6 is probably a 10, but it's at least a 9.9. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, 100%. Tell me about it, Paul. Tell me, tell me your thoughts and feelings, and uh, feel free to go a little bit more in-depth with anything I just very briefly glossed over. Well... I like it because, like, I'm not going to look at a, a game and try to pick it apart to the point where it's like, oh, this is stupid. You know, you can't use this kind of logic. Like, oh, why didn't they just do it? You know, it's, it's kind of like when someone says, oh, why didn't they just fly a griffin to Mount Doom or whatever it was for Lord of the Rings? I, I don't like those kinds of thoughts. What if, you know, I just want to work with what you're given as opposed to what you're not given. So I really like what they supply in that game, all the characters, all the music, all the, the arcs that they go through. Everybody has these, uh, I don't want to say depressing stories. Some of them are, others aren't. I remember Jake saying how he didn't think uh, Gao is a depressing character. And I thought that was the coolest like summary of the entire game to me is because yeah, he has shit happen to him, but he doesn't care. Like he keeps on going to keep on trucking kind of thing. You know, uh, Locke, is probably one of my favorite characters, not to play as, but just like personally, he's one of the ones I like kind of relate to more than the rest. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, he's, he's lost his love and he's trying to bring her back to life. And he's not got a chip on his shoulder for the world trying to be like, you know, Oh, I lost the one I love. So I'm going to, you know, destroy the world kind of deal. Like that's what the villains end up doing. All of these characters have these significant losses in their life and it makes them harder or more determined to save the world and that's that's what i love about the game so much is how it how well it does that it, it just makes it it not cheesy it's not like one of those self-help stupid uh passive aggressive things you'll see posted on facebook it's it, it's genuinely uh i don't want to say wholesome but it's what's the word inspiring for me i i really like it it i, I can't think of the terms i can't put it into words succinctly enough but i'm just like that's it just hits all the right bells for me let, let, okay i i think what you're saying is a great point um the events of a character's life or the situations of a character life do not necessarily dictate that that person becomes a depressing character look at what right. cyan goes through cyan for anybody who doesn't know slight spoilers here loses his wife and and son to the evil empire specifically kafka poisoning the water of their kingdom he survives fighting for the kingdom and joins our band of, of freedom fighters, as it were, to uh, to avenge them. He does revisit that, you know, if you decide to do his side quests, but at no point is he the woe is me character. You know, with Gao, he was left in a field by his dad or his granddad or something like that. And you're right, as terrible as that is, he did adapt, he did, you know, learn to run with the animals, and he's a very cool character. And he never stops to say, why am I not like all these other people? So that, that I get. Um, I think character-wise, to really summarize what the game is about, is it all comes down to Terra. Terra is the one character who has the exact same point of every other character in that um, it's the question of, is it worth it to go on? And that, to me, is what the entirety of Final Fantasy VI is about. You see person after person uh, either lose people or just be a product of horrible, horrible situations and circumstances. And then Terra 
while she is a little bit of that, the one question she continuously poses in her inner dialogue is, should I go on? Is it worth it? You know, the world gets destroyed. Do we still contrive? Do we do we rebuild or do we just try to go with what it is or do we just give up? And that is why I love the Tara character so much. She is that unifying link to all of them. And she speaks to the audience in a way that I don't think any other Final Fantasy character ever had. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I, they all have that moment where they confront basically their own death, right? Their despair, where they want to give up, move on. For me, the one that stands out of the two are um, Ceres. After the, the world of ruin opens up and she mm-hmm. washes ashore on that island and she's nursed back to health. If Depending on how you play that sequence, um, spoilers, Sid dies and she basically climbs the top of a mountain and is contemplating suicide, basically, but it ultimately becomes a leap of faith as she leaps off the cliff into the waters and survives, and that gives her the drive to continue on. That's really interesting. And that's that's one thing I never realized, too, is that you can save him, which I've done, yeah. and he can die, which I've done. <laughs> well, when you save, it's funny, though, because like, you, you catch the fish. If you get the fast ones and feed him nothing but fast fish, he survives, and <laughs> you get a raft. And she kind of just waves by and leaves. Yeah. And you completely miss the entire point of the entire sequence. Yeah, it's a much more compelling story if Sid dies. I'm not going to lie. It's... Yeah. yeah. Like, story-wise, I think it's even better for the kid... <clears throat> Excuse me, Hiccup. I'm, just, I'm not getting choked up. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's seriously so much better if you actually have him die. It, it's just... It sounds morbid, but... It's it's kind of like okay if he lives okay let's go I, I built your raft here you go like you said yeah and otherwise if he dies like there's this contemplation of suicide there's this do I give up here and all this stuff so what what Mega Man I almost said <laughs> what, what Mega Man yeah uh, no it, it's just really cool that there's that much of a difference in a game like this especially when this is still like the era of a lot of stuff being censored in video games so when they touch on these heavier subjects i'm just like that that hits home even more for me than i'm like oh wow they they actually put this in there that's that's kind of cool yeah i think also as as far as final bosses go final fantasy 6 has the best final boss for me oh yeah it's just colossal tower of amalgamating creatures and you work your way up in stages and at the top is just kefka who's literally a god at that point. Yeah. And they just make him look so menacing. But he's still clown-like. And the music is amazing in this game. I love this game. Yeah. The the music is great. The the character artwork is fantastic for, for the Kefka fight. Um, one other thing that's very unique there that I always thought was cool is if you go and you assemble your whole squad, I think it's 14 different characters, you put them in the order that you would like them to fight. So you have your four that are starting... Uh, the fight, but if at any point uh, one of them dies and then you advance to the next level of the boss fight, they bring in whoever you had in the fifth spot, then the sixth, the seventh, and eighth. So in that way, it can be kind of hard to lose that fight, but it, it's one of those things kind of like five where it becomes infinitely customizable. You can spend more time developing this character, not this character, or, or you can give yourself challenges like, I'm going to, I've done this and I've failed every time. I'm going to try to beat Kefka using only the four characters that will do randomized attacks. You know, like uh, the Yeti right. guy, Mog, Gao, and uh, Gogo, who, you know, you can just mime. Anyway, so yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do in this game. The side quests are not always 
necessary, but they are, well, they're side quests, but they are very, very rewarding. Um, this game, in a way similar to what Final Fantasy VII does, it nails the grind. It can be grindy if you let it be, but the the rewards for it are apt. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, any final comments on six before we go to seven? Just just play it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. If you could only play one Final Fantasy game, I know I should say four, but I got to say six. Yeah, yeah same. Easily six. Unless you're just already wildly down in the dumps, in which case play four and then go back and play <laughs> six. <laughs> um, okay, Final Fantasy seven. A very odd protagonist in Cloud falls in love with one of two people, dates Barrett, I guess you'd call him his co-worker, <laughs> if you choose, uh, goes on a discover uh, an adventure of self-discovery while accumulating other misfits slash terrorists, uh, all to topple not an evil empire, but an evil company that is uh, hell-bent on profiting off of Things that require you, well, no, not require you, that destroy the earth. See, that's why this game is ahead of its time, or ahead of the rest, because the old ones are old school. Your empire was like this old force, this old, like, king or nobleman or emperor. And then right. the empire becomes, oh, Walmart. Yeah. But, but for some reason, they do it right. And, you know, they realize, it's like, yeah, Shinra's bad. Yeah, Shinra's this giant company that is mining, for lack of a better word, uh, life force out of the, the planet. So instead of like oil, like we would have here on Earth, uh, whenever you die, your spirit goes into the ground and they pump it up to, you know, power their lights and their machines. And um, you start off being employed as a mercenary for a group called Avalanche, which is labeled as a terrorist group because they're trying to blow up the reactors that convert life energy into, or the life stream into energy. And then you're in this giant city called Midgar, you escape. There's a whole open world thing. There's a legendary soldier named Sephiroth, who's an amazing antagonist. Cloud feels like he is connected to him somehow. Spoiler alert, I think he is. And, uh, yeah, Tifa is amazing. That's what I got from that story. You can read, <laughs> I mean, the, okay, side quests in this game, amazing. And this yes. game, better than any other Final Fantasy, does the grinding right. Does it perfectly. Amazing, albeit confusing story. Uh, beautiful world the world development for this game is amazing the different you know places that you have to go um the characters are great sid of course being the old cuss that he is is here there are some hints that let you think that sid is actually uh, related to kane from final fantasy 4 there are god guys i don't even know where to start this game is so big and such a giant leap forward from the previous six it is its own thing it is a powerhouse it is a memorable experience and by the time you are done, you are ready to weep because it is beautiful in so many ways. It's easy to get lost. It's like if you're not yes. paying attention. Uh, I know a lot of people complain about Cloud and they don't understand a lot of his arc and stuff. And they're like, oh, this is dumb. But it's also really confusing. If you don't pay attention during a couple of cutscenes, all of a sudden you can miss out some enough information that it doesn't quite make sense. And you can pick a whole bunch of holes and you'll be like, I don't get this. And so you, you really got to actually pay attention to it actively. And I think that's part of what immersed me in the game, especially like the first time in, I was in high school. So like grade 10, grade 11, borrowed it from a friend, just grinding nonstop. But I, I played a quarter of the time recently over like the last year, 
two years, something like that when I was playing it. And before the fact that I was just being so much more attentive to it, that's what actually made me enjoy it even more is not the time that I put into it, but how much detail and how many different ways that the game, I want to say branched off and developed characters and developed the world. So, yeah, no, it's great. This is one where in a way that was similar to final fantasy six, each character got their own specific treatment, the way that they developed the characters did the backstory, you know, worked as their character. I think honest to God, Barrett from Final Fantasy VII is the single greatest character development arc they have ever done in the series. Uh, from from what I've played, from one to ten, he starts off as this angry guy who is willing to destroy the entire world so that he can raise his daughter in a world that he thinks is worthy of her. And by the time it ends, you have watched him grow and develop, and you learn why he is the way he is, and you see where he was wanting to go and how he's adapted where it is he needs to go I, I think that's fantastic I, I love the Barrett character uh, for no other reason than his his journey you're right there are a couple parts where if you're not paying attention to the way things are worded you can be a bit confused and this is just ultimately a case of while Cloud is not a shitty protagonist you look at just how staggeringly cool uh, Sephiroth is and you're like man <laughs> what, what could have been you know so <laughs> But the people around Cloud, I think it's definitely the the uh, the ancillary characters that make this game special, and and great, and developing and, and finding their their side quests and stories is great. I, I think this game nails, like I said, grinding, but also exploration. It is rewarding. It is not obvious all the time. There are things within things within things, and you can you know ultimately decide how far you want to go with this game. And if you sink enough time into it, yes. You, you can you can become much much more powerful than the final boss. It's one of those games where I've played it several times now, and I still don't quite understand how Cloud is related to Sephiroth and the whole bit. It's confusing. I'm actually curious about the remake that's been in progress, whether that's going to flesh out some of that part. That part notwithstanding, everything else, you're right. The other characters is what makes this game for me as well. The arc with Sid and the rocket takeoff sequence is... I just get choked up. It's great. Um, this is another game where every character has that theme that just, it just sits in your brain. Like, I, I can still recall all the themes of all the characters in Final Fantasy VII, maybe more so than Seven. Um, I really do love the music in these games. Uh, and it's very cinematic. This is the first Final Fantasy that really brought in those cinematics. I mean, it was on the PlayStation. And that's kind of like a the standard for all of them now. They all have these big cinematic sequences. Right. And uh, it's it's a solid game. It also, also next to the job system, from old games, the material system I really dig. I think it's amazing. It's very customizable. How you plunk in the crystals. Uh, I kind of wish they'd flesh out a bit more of it because it's the kind of game where you want to cast fire spells, put in a fire gem. You want to cast it as an AOE, put a link a gem to it. I wish there was more of that in there. Um, I've said before in this podcast that. Uh, Path of Exile, which is a wildly different game, borrows the materia-like system for their game, and it's it's the same vibe for me in terms of like the customability. I love it. Um, I love the materia system a lot. Love the music. I agree. And the mini games. There's so many mini games in this. Yeah, like they, in fact, they you know they have the gold saucer, which is Disney in the Final Fantasy VII place, but without you know, it's just a place for mini games. And then there's of course mini games spread out outside of there throughout the world. Final Fantasy VII deals with ideas of transpermia, 
which is, you know, the origin of life on Earth coming from a distant rock, uh, which I thought was interesting. They label that race as the Ancients. And then, of course, one of the characters in Love Interest, potentially, depending on how you play it, uh, is the last surviving descendant of the Ancient Bloodlines. Materia, as you mentioned, contained the knowledge of the Ancients, and that way they're similar uh, to Espers, whereas the, the powers and abilities of these magic beings or things uh, are distilled into these crystalline forms. And yeah, I, I love that they have weapons and armor that have materia slots in them and that you can chain different sequences of materia to give you different results, you know, rega- regarding if you're hitting every enemy or just one enemy, you know, there's the magic, there's the summon, there's the support materials, there's the command materials, you know, for counterattack or slice all or quadrislice. I don't know. Yep. That kind of shit I just love. In fact, of all the Final Fantasies, this is the one that I like to go back and give myself new challenges for. My favorite one so far is uh, Command Materia only, the Yellow Materia. And I think if, if you can play a game with just those and forego any magic, it's a much different game and much... I mean, it's not more fun, but it's, it's still fun. I will say for me, the biggest weakness with this game are some of the, the cutscenes in the backstory. You can't skip them. So if you've played this game 20, 20 times and you know every bit of every verse, uh, you know, when you leave Midgar, for example, and go to the first town of Calm... Cloud gives you some of his backstory from like five years ago. And even if you don't read it and you just button mash all the way through it, it's still going to take you 20 minutes. Yeah. More than any of the other Final Fantasies, this is the one game that has the, I'm just going to turn it off here because I don't want to do the next section. And then you just never end up picking it back up because you don't want to sit through it. You know? But by the time you get to disc three, the world is open. The weapons, which are these giant defenders of the planet that are awaken only when the planet faces like an extinction level event you know you can go and you can kill those and that's incredibly fun for some reason and scary i don't know there's just there's a lot of emotion with this game well like you were saying i remember when the 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 tv commercial for this game came out the trailer or whatever the 30 second spot they showed a lot of the, the cg the cgi not the real world gameplay and i just remember i can still hear the voice when he says you know Final Fantasy VII at the end, and the music swells, and it's just like, that alone was an event, you know? If you don't know what I'm talking about, YouTube it. It's it's fantastic. But yeah, what a great, great game. I love it. I would give this one probably 8 out of 10, but an argument can be made for like 8.5. What do you guys think? 8.49. What I really like about the series as a whole, like people harp on Final Fantasy for having all these, you know, 1 through 16 coming out now but they don't carry on the story from game to game usually. But that's what I like about it, because they're taking themes that go all the way back to the first game with, the, like I said, the, the mechs and the science and the magic mixed together. Uh, later on, it's the evil empire oppressing people. Then it's like the signs of confronting death. There's a lot of themes that carry from game to game, and they kind of just shake things up and retell the story with a different spin. And it, I, I like most of it. I think it's really well done. And Seven's just another take on the evil empire story. It's really well done. Yeah, they, they kind of gave it the Lex Luthor treatment. Um, for anybody who doesn't really understand that reference, Lex Luthor, back in the 30s and 40s when Superman was invented, uh, was this mad scientist. Um, and that spoke was to... Was really? Yeah, well, and that spoke to the fears of what science was capable of. You know, it was the age of the atom. Um, you know, you had the, the nuclear bomb and all that kind of stuff. So the scientists, you know, if they went rogue, obviously that's who you fear. And then in the uh, 60s, 
and uh, all of that kind of you know hippie culture, it became the corruption of business. So they transferred Lex Luthor from that to being a businessman, and then in the 90s and all that to a politician. So right. it's really just the zeitgeist of whatever you should be most afraid of, whatever is most likely to dick with you. And so they, yeah, you're exactly right. They transitioned it from the empire or the kingdom from these kind of medieval steampunk stories to uh, the the corrupt business system, which is a very interesting take. And I, yeah, I agree. I think it was very well executed. Posh, what do you think? Seven out of eight. No, th- we're only doing one through seven. So this is seven out of seven. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm, there's nothing I can add to that, really. I, I just, I looking back at it as I didn't like it as much. Now I do. I just didn't want to go through the grind. I was maybe channeling my inner Cornelius. I don't know. But I, I played the game and I just enjoyed the story. Now I want, will I play the remake? I still haven't played it. I don't have a PS4, but I will play it eventually. I'm looking forward to it because I want to see how they've changed it and in what ways because there are you know, plot holes, the way they, they wrote it. It's it's little tangly, you know, it's you can pick anything apart if you want to try hard enough. But I just want to see how they tidied it up because they obviously know how big of an influence it was because it's not as linear as the, the previous games and that's part of what appealed to a lot of people, all the side quest stuff. If you didn't like Barrett's side quest and you didn't care about his like overall story arc, don't use them. You know, it's kind of things like that. But at the same time, all those characters, they have their individual lines in the game. It's not like Final Fantasy VI where your actual party members say the exact same thing regardless of who you have in there. So I, I like that everybody had a had a voice in the game, and that's kind of cool. And looking back on it, you know, I wanted to play as Cloud, Sid, and Vincent, and I didn't want to do anything else. Oh, so I maxed good. those guys out. Now I'm like, hey, I want to play as Barrett. I want to play as Red. So it's going back after all this time it has given me just a different viewpoint to go through it, and that's why I like playing these older games that I loved so much as, as a kid because I get to experience them again and experience them in a different light, but at the same time, the same. So it's 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 a strange trade-off sometimes, but that's that's what I enjoy the most about going back to these games. Well, yeah, you're, you you nailed it, man. If, if you don't like what Barrett is doing, or if you don't like him as a character, uh, play as Eris. By the time you get to disc three, uh, Eris is at a completely different place than it was when you found her in disc one. Fact. That said, also, one thing that I, I wasn't crazy about when I was younger, I've kind of grown to appreciate it now, is how ambiguous the ending is of the game. Uh, the life force takes over, tries to save the planet, but then the game itself pretty much just asks the player, is humanity worth saving or is it a, a threat to the planet? You know, the, all these things that were going to destroy the planet came about solely because of, of man. It's existential, of course, but it, it's interesting in the way that it is given to you. It, it's not holier than thou and it's not overly heavy-handed, but there's a definite theme of can the world differentiate between good people and bad people? Or do we have to do that? To address what you said about the, the remake, I'm excited for what they're going to do. I haven't played it as I don't own a PS4, but I would buy a PS5 solely for this game. I've never committed to buying a, a, a console just for one game, but I, w- I would absolutely do that for episode, for, for Final Fantasy VII. Uh, and I hope all of the episodes do come out before the PlayStation 6, because then if, <laughs> I'll just be pissed otherwise. 
Cross your fingers. Yeah, right. I don't know what their timetable is, but I'm excited about it. I've watched some people stream bits and pieces of of the first episode for the PS4, and uh, it looks gorgeous and looks like a ton of fun. So, guys and gals, I know this has been a bit of a longer episode. Before I wrap up, uh, Jake, Paul, was there anything else you wanted to say about Seven? No, I think we covered it. No, I don't think so. Okay. We, yeah, we tried to shoehorn a lot into uh, our usual one-hour space. We went a bit over. I thank you all for your patience and your input. Um, and still, there's there's 60 more hours that I could talk about probably each and every single <laughs> one of these damn games. Uh, that said, Final Fantasy has a very special place in my heart, watching uh, cousins play it growing up. Final Fantasy IV is basically how I learned how to read. I'm still in the middle of playing six on my marathon, but of course I played six and seven a lot, so I didn't mind doing this episode now. But I know that by the time I'm finished with seven, I'll be in a in a contemplative place and probably emotional for looking back and just playing these games straight through in order as I've never done that before. So if you are somebody who has access to your emotional proclivities, Final Fantasy is definitely a way to go if you want to access those in video games. Let's go through and have uh, Sick Jake go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you. Well, you know, when I'm not in Vegas as part of Stomp or Cirque du Soleil, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and sometimes on Twitch at Sick Jake, S-I-C-J-A-K-E. Very good. Thank you, sir. And Pulse 109 tell them where they can find you, sir. Uh, you can find me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash werewolf. That's W-A-R-E-W-U-L-F-F. Wait. Why are you acting sus? You can you can find him there more often than me. Uh, I'm over there as well. Twitch.tv slash Palsh109. That's P-A-L-S-H-109. Pretty cool. Uh, and my name is Guy Prime for The Retro Therapy. That's on Twitch.tv slash The Retro Therapy. Or any social medias. And of course here on Press B to Cancel. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody stay tuned for uh, next week's episode as well. Can't wait to keep bringing you all this amazing content. Until then, thank you. Have a good night. Special thanks for music. Go to Arthur the Last Ancient on Spotify or The Last Ancient on Bandcamp. For more episodes, please visit our website at pressbetocancel.com. As well, feel free to like, comment, and subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been... Press B to cancel.